Episode 85, Bubba Jamal Karam. Storytelling as Responsibility. Thank you, my dear brother. What a beautiful soul. All children love stories. Folk tales. They are messages from our ancestors. Then you have come to the right place. We will have a storyteller in every school. Storytelling can teach. You have that openness of a child. Good on you, Eric, for doing what you're doing. That's a great question. Thank you. I'm inspired just to be here. I'm really honored to be here. We tell stories. Know yourself. Follow your passion. And live with grace. Hey, welcome to the Art of Storytelling with Children. I am Eric Wolf, and I am so thrilled that you have made it here today, tonight, this evening, this afternoon, this morning, whenever it is for you, I, that you have made it through the Internet to join with us on this recall that is recorded live on the Art of Storytelling with Children. And this show, to me, is particularly exciting because I had the pleasure of seeing my guest in person perform to a very large crowd at the National Association of Black Storytellers Conference um, just a short time ago. And he was spectacular. He was not just spectacular in the stories and the quality and the meaning of the stories, but he was spectacular in the way he used the drum. He was spectacular in the way that the stories came um, organically from the moment. And he would also was amazing in that the stories themselves seemed to serve a higher purpose, if I dare say. A higher purpose that was between him and the audience. And to me, that is, is something that I inspire for in my practice, and I hope, that, I hope that you will inspire for in your practice. So I just want to say thank you, Bubba Jamal. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime we can advance the art and performance of storytelling, it's a good thing. So do you have a story you could share with us tonight? Well, I don't know if it's just one story. You know, like like a lot of artists, uh, my, my, my mind is everywhere at once. And that's a good thing because we are where we are at the time that we're there. Am I right? So Hotep Komet was an African boy. He was barely 13. He never played with toys. He was a builder of temples, they say, and 1,000 boys he would lead every day. Got to build a pyramid, got to build it tall. Got to build a pyramid so strong that it won't fall. Got to build a pyramid, got to build it tall. Got to build a pyramid so strong that it won't fall. Up each morning, first light of the sun, 1,000 boys to the temples they run. On their knees, they began to pray about the work they would do that day. Now, all of these boys were builders by trade, and everyone loved the temples they made. With tons of stone, they would construct, and word got around to young King Tut. Got to build a pyramid, got to build it tall. Got to build a pyramid so strong that it won't fall. Got to build a pyramid, got to build it tall. Got to build a pyramid so strong that it won't fall. And the story goes on and on and on like that with the purpose of allowing us to look at things in different ways. You see, uh, some folks told me that they had thousands of quote-unquote slaves rolling logs and stones up to the top of that pyramid. But it occurred to me one day that uh, perhaps these were not done with logs and quote-unquote slaves. Maybe it was like what uh, King Tut saw. He said, how, Hotep, do you move those stones? Without hands, without tools, they just move alone. Hotep said, we meditate, and with prayer through God, we levitate. We know this knowledge will be lost with time, but we move those stones with our minds. Got to build a pyramid, got to build it tall. Got to build a pyramid so strong that it won't fall. And that's the key thing with storytelling. We have to have our minds clear. We have to have our purpose focused. 
And we have to have our hearts involved in what it is that we do. And we have to look at the story once we get it in our heads. We have to turn that bad boy around to see just where and when we can enter it. And just how and why we can tell it. And once we enter and once we figure out the how and why, it becomes something special, something powerful. So that's the story I have to share this morning. <laughs> this time. That's fabulous. Now, yes, can indeed. if you wanted to, could you make that piece longer or shorter, depending on need? Surely, surely. I mean, that's that's the way it is. With especially, uh, I do that when I train storytellers. You know, they they'll start telling a story and, and invariably that they've practiced and and looked at several times, and then I'll change up. I'll say, "Well, make it in a different time." Uh, make it in a, uh, put some other character in it, uh, put it in another place. And I'll do this as they're telling. And I'll watch them as they shift that story and turn that story until they become so comfortable with the shifting and the turning that they are able to create something new from what they had proposed, you see. And that's, uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's storytelling. Uh, you may you may memorize the story, but invariably, if you memorize it, and, and some of the storytellers listening will know this, if you memorize it and forget it, your mind wanders. Ooh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Let me get back to where I was. No, no, just take the story and go with it somewhere. Yeah, it'll be all right because you're clear. Let's look at those of us who may be uncomfortable with this idea. They may be coming to the table going, no, 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 I got to know what I'm going to do next. You know, let's make them more comfortable with this. Because I know in my practice, this is the way I do it. So I'm really comfortable with this. But, but I also know that I know many other tellers who they have to have it really carefully laid out and set before they get up in front of an audience. And that's okay. That's okay to do it like that. However, you need to learn the story. It's like one year, uh, I was looking for a children's story, and I called up a librarian in Baltimore named Martha Ruff, and I said, Martha, I need a children's story. She said, well, you ever hear that Russian story about the big turnip? And I said, no. She said, well, there was a farmer, and he pulled a big turnip, and he called his wife, and his wife came, and then he called. I said, well, don't say anything else. <laughs> Got it. And so what happened from that? Of course, I transposed that to my cultural upbringing, and it turned out to be the big yam story. And we put, of course, we put song and rhythm to it, and Pa was pulling that yam. Oh, yeah, Ma was pulling that yam. Oh, yeah, Mosquito was pulling that yam. You see, we had a whole hundred, hundred characters in that story by the time it was. But uh, you have to prepare in the way that is most comfortable with you. But you must also understand that once you get before an audience, all your preparations may have to change. Because if you get in front of a, if you prepare for an audience of, say, middle schoolers and uh, somebody got the wrong information to you and you find yourself in front of an auditorium full of preschoolers, what will you do? And so uh, you have to be able to adapt, change, uh, and uh be proactive in bringing the kind of story that is required by the audience in front of you. And then you may be sitting and thinking in your meditative pose before you get on the stage or when you approach the stage and, uh, and, and something may enter in your head. Uh, there's someone out there that needs to hear something about taking their time. There's someone out there that needs to hear something about not losing hope. And so taking time and not losing hope will find its way in your story if you're open to that. And you have to be clear. Clarity leads to a certain kind of uh, stillness. And when there's stillness, there's wisdom. And the wisdom can then be stated however it needs to be stated. Now, some of my regular listeners will think that we have arranged this, but honestly, we have not. How do you acquire that stillness? How do you find that clarity on a stage and off? 
Well, you know, on the stage and off, it's still Baba Jamal Karam's the same me. Uh, as, as I tell folk, storytelling is not only what I do, it's who I am. And so there are other dimensions that will come into the storytelling. Uh, you know, it's like the storytelling story by Ellen Jackson, children's author, his earth mother. And I'm reading this story and I'm seeing it, you know, I'm feeling it. And I'm saying, this woman not just walking across the earth. She's dancing across the earth. She's twirling. She's smiling. She's spreading her joy. She's opening up the energy fields all around the planet. And she has to do this because this is her personality. This is who she is. She throws a lightning bolt in the clouds and the rains come down. And she jumps on top of a mountain and slides down the streams. Way having fun, you see. And so in order for me to have that kind of vision and image, of this woman, I have to find that space inside of me that gets still whenever it's necessary. And so I have to calm my heart. I have to calm my breathing. I have to calm my mind and I have to be where I am at that particular time. I can't be thinking about my six children, my two grandchildren, and my ten godchildren. You see, I can't be thinking about uh, my knees hurt. I can't be thinking. All I can think about now is not to think, but to allow the uh, that spirit, that uh, that unseen, that uh, that peace that comes within us, and we may not have a name for it. I breathe it. I focus on it. And when I get on stage, I say I go, and the crowd says I may. Are you ready? Are you listening? Yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm listening. And once that mantra is done, uh, it's on from there. I don't know if that answers the I think that's a great answer. This is Ruth Hill. I'm Brother Blue. Poor fool, I know nothing. And you're listening to The Art of Storytelling with Children. She's wise. She knows everything. <laughs> Let's talk about the drum. Mm. What is the role of the drum in storytelling? It's the same role it has everywhere at all times. To, it's to create a certain amount of, certain type of energy. It's to open up our chakras if you will is to open up our hearts is to let our minds uh, focus on uh, what is at hand it summons folks it summons their spirits it summons their ability to move their feet and clap their hands it, it summons uh, the, the replication of the heartbeat and so uh, it's a powerful instrument and not only do we use drum, but we might use a shaker. The shaker clears the energy. There's no negativity after you clear the air. And uh, so it, it has a purpose beyond just entertainment. And you can be sure about that. It's like um, if you hear a band coming down the street, the first sound that you hear is that bass drum. That bass drum is reverberating across whatever area it is, letting folk know that something is coming. That something wonderful is about to happen. And so that's what we anticipate doing with the drum when we play it. I, yeah. I noticed when you were using the drum that sometimes the drum uh, would alter to fit different characters or to create a common rhythm in the story as well, to draw the story together. Mm. See, I leave that up to, to folk that are analytical <laughs> like yourself. You see what I'm saying? I just... I just do what the spirit <laughs> leads me to do, you know, and uh, and then afterwards, you know, I'm told, oh, you're so organic, you're in the moment. You, I say, wow, I didn't know I was all that. Shoot, I'll take it though, you know. Yeah, but uh, it 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 happens as it does, you know, and um, you know, after you tell a story fifty hundred times, of course, it's it's going to be in your head. So so what I do with my story sometimes is I'll change up. 
a, a statement that always gets a laugh or I'll change up a, a, a phrase or, or an idea that I feel comfortable with just to give me a certain level of, of uh, tension. Because tension is always good in the story, especially them scary ones. Yeah, but I don't, I don't go too much because I scare myself. <laughs> but uh yes um yeah so so uh yeah that's 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 that. you feel like mm-hmm. as a storyteller who is compelled to tell stories um that are teachings do you feel mm-hmm. sometimes that there aren't enough people doing that yeah yeah uh and the, com- the compelling part of it is that uh and i just had a birthday yesterday uh but I'm 59 years old, and uh, I've been conscious since I was seven, six, you know, about the world and people around me asking questions to ministers and old folks, you know, at an early age, reading Krishnamurti when I was 13 and 12, 13 years old, and, you know, contemplating the existence of God and, and all kinds of things. So. Yeah, with all that questioning and gaining of information and knowledge uh, and understanding that uh, uh, as a grown person, it's my duty and responsibility to pass on whatever I can to the young folks so they, they won't have to stumble through life as much as I have, you see. And so the stories are a part of that. Stories have always been tools for teaching stories have always there's nothing that you've learned in your life i say that a story didn't reinforce uh, either your own or someone else's and so there's power in stories and that means that we have to use and and guard that power wisely and not let it uh, get into the hands of those who will misuse it and believe me too many have already gotten hold of it uh, you have only to turn on your TV set or turn on your, put on your headphones and listen to some of the stories that are being told that are misguiding and misleading and uninformative as to higher purposes in life. So, yeah, there's a responsibility there. And, and, and I'm driven by that responsibility and by the craft of storytelling to be able to Put those things that need to be said in a story in such a way that doesn't knock someone out over the head, you know, but it uh, allows them to think and to ponder and to pause. And if they can do that, uh, teaching will come, uh, whatever was intended in the story. And more people need to be a part of that as, as they gain in stature and in knowledge and in wisdom. We can't be children all our lives. Um, I have uh, some peeves, you know, about grown men wearing boys' clothes and grown women wearing girls' clothes. You know, there comes a time when we have to put on the clothes that uh, mirror our age and our and our stature on the planet. And so, uh, in doing so, in arriving at those positions, and our stories need to reflect some of that. That doesn't mean you don't have fun with storytelling. That doesn't mean that there's some not some foolishness in storytelling. But it does mean that there becomes a time when you have to be uh, uh, focused and serious and uh, intentional. And that's the key word. What is your intention in telling? And if you can find that your intention has to do with uh, passing on some knowledge and some wisdom, cool. Then you're on target in my book. What what about those individuals... Mm -hmm. I'm try- I've been trying to think of how to phrase this question without putting anyone down. Mm-hmm. I have seen, well, definitely on television, you see people who are telling stories for their own sake, not necess- mm-hmm. necessarily even not even for the story's sake, but for the sake mm-hmm. of their own engrandizement, for their own raising themselves up as being important. Or you see people who who seem to be trying to help others, but so that they can feel special and. How do you prevent yourself from falling, slipping into that? You know, how do you seem to be someone who's able to stay really humble? Well, I don't, I don't think it's, 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 it's slipping or falling or even, you know, traveling towards that. You know, uh, 
the nature of 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 theater and TV is, is that you know it's 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 not necessarily for the audience except in some way that you know some brainwashing kind of thing that's happening. But when you get on stage face to face, voice to voice, person to person, then it becomes a certain kind of communication that has to happen. And uh, uh, and in order for that to happen, it cannot be about you. You're only a conduit for what's flowing through you. You know, the wisdom, the knowledge, the stillness, the, the, the craft of storytelling, the stories themselves. You know, you're brought to a story. You can look through a hundred books and not find a story that speaks to you. And, and you storytellers know what I'm saying. And then in that, in that hundredth book, on the last page, there's two lines in a story. And you say, whoa, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. And you're looking at for it, not for you. But how you can pass on that which is flowing through you, that uh, that information, that understanding, that spirit, that that um, that feeling of calm, that 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 peacefulness, you understand. And so uh, uh, those that that seek their own self aggrandizement are those who are still growing in the process. They're still maturing in the process and uh, they'll get there. They'll get there. Who who influenced you? I mean, you've been on this earth now for almost six mm -hmm. decades, as you said. So who were the teachers mm -hmm. or the people who inspired you to become this sort of storyteller? The ones that inspired me and taught me how to be a competent and complete human being. The ones that led me into manhood. Uh, Maud Miller, my foster mother who had cataracts in her eyes and couldn't see, and I'm the, I'm the one that had to take her to the doctor. So here I am, 11 and 12-year-old, walking this old woman down the street on my arm, and I don't want to be seen with her. And my mentor, John Harmon, I go into his bookstore, and he says, boy, get some wisdom. That's the only time that woman gets a chance to go out, and you are walking with her. That's your mother. Treat her as such. Respect her. And I did what he told me to do. And uh, and, and it made her feel so proud. Maud Miller was one. Miss Mary Mack, that's her real name. My adopted brother's mama. She taught me how to tell a story just by listening to her. I'm riding along in South Carolina and we're in a 1965 Chevrolet Impala. It's 2 o'clock in the morning big 18-wheelers whizzing by. This is my first trip south from New York, going to the land of my mother's birth. And I step on the brakes, and the brakes are gone. So I'm pumping the brakes, and, and I hear somebody, Miss Mack wakes up and said, uh, what's wrong, Jamal? I said, Miss Mack, um, the brakes are gone out. What I'm going to do is ease over to the left and, uh, and see if I can't put on the emergency brake and stop. And she said, uh, okay, you do that. The next morning, she's telling the story. I woke up, and I saw Jamal, and he was twisting and turning that wheel, almost broken to an 18-wheeler. I said, what's wrong? He said, Miss Mack, there are no brakes. The brakes are gone. The brakes are gone. I did everything I could to calm that boy down to pull over to the side. So that's the kind of storyteller she was. And I learned from her. And there are many more. There are many more. Every, every, it's just like, you know, every building I see and every city I look at, I always try to find something beautiful in that. And that's the same way I look at people. We do that, and it's not only rewarding from a personal perspective, but it brings power. And maybe that's why I do it, because I enjoy the privilege of power. The privilege of power. And by power, you mean the power to express, the power to serve? Yes, power to influence, power to receive, power to organize, power to speak, you know, the power to mm. love. If you have power in your love, everywhere you walk, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Now, you've actually been back to Africa a number of times? Oh, yeah, four or five. 
Uh huh. Different experience each time. Wonderful experience each time. But I remember one time I I, I was in a hotel and my plane was delayed and and uh, some of my hosts they said, "Well, Bobby Ma, you can go stay in the village. Uh, they have a room for ten dollars." I said, "Well, that's cool. That's right in my budget." <laughs> <laughs> so I went down there, and it was a little old uh, abode, and, and uh, two big wooden doors, and uh, I opened up the wooden doors and turned on the one light that was in the middle of the room, and when the light turned on, I'd never seen so many insects scrambling. <laughs> and there was a, a little a little foam rubber mattress and a couch pillow. And I turned off the light and I went to sleep for a while, but I made the promise to myself that I had enough of that kind of life. I lived, when I was a little boy, I lived in a one-room apartment in midtown, downtown mm. Manhattan. Uh, you know, when you turn on the light, roaches scattered everywhere. You see, I didn't need to experience that again. I've already had that experience. You understand? So uh, so I decided that uh, from now on, I'm staying in the three and the four star hotels. But uh, that's just <laughs> me, you know. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you go and you talk to folks, talk to elders, talk to chiefs. Uh, I went to a place called Kayla, which is where the tradition of the jelly or the grill, they tell me that was where it began. And 21 elders walked in. And at that time, I was president of the National Association of Black Storytellers, so I felt like I was a chief, too. I had 600, 700 people in my village. Uh, they, one of the spokesperson came over to me and asked me what it was I wanted to know. And I said, excuse me first. And I walked over to all those elders, and I shook their hands, because that's what Maud Miller, my, my foster mother, taught me how to greet old people. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so... Uh, I greeted them, and, and I noticed that there was a little murmur among them, as if to say, that boy has good home training right there, you see. And so uh, I, answered, I asked the question, in America, we're beginning the tradition of the griot, the jelly, and we want to know what we need to be aware of, what it is that we need to do. And they conferred on that question for a few minutes, and the spokesperson came back and said, you must all be known as truth tellers. You must never be known to handle a mistruth. And so uh, I took that to heart, you know, so I don't tell too many tall tales and, and things like that. But if I do, you can believe there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. All the stories have truth in them. Africa clearly has an, I mean, there is an unbroken, and the listeners should know that my parents were married in Africa and, and I have sort of a, a connection with Africa personally, um, but Africa has a has a, an unbroken line of storytellers, a storytelling tradition that has not been shattered. And so, what right. what lessons can those storytellers? What what other lessons can they give to us as storytellers in America? Oh man, I mean, it's 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 just mind-boggling the the. The information and knowledge that that is embedded in, in African soil. Uh, I mean, we were in Mali, and uh, and some Fulani dancers came over, and uh, one of the elders that that was with them just came in my interpreter. He couldn't even keep up, as this this individual kept just telling us uh, about the culture, about the responsibility, about how we must love ourselves and. I must re redeem those that need redemption, and, and and I mean just just spouting out, spouting out, and and I'm taking it all in, and I didn't realize that I still had tapes from then. I just found those last week, those little cassettes that I've taken, so I have to go through them and and just recapture. And I said all that to say is that there are 11.7 million square miles of Africa, and there's over over 100,000 Oh, some say three, four million years of history in Africa. Of course, there are things there for us to learn. And in this unbroken stream of consciousness, if we get still here in America and will have never gone to Africa, if we get still, then we will receive the kind of information that we need to receive. And, and I'm not saying it as some kind of a, 
mystical uh, trip. That's reality. That's reality. Do you do you feel like, and this is something I've struggled with personally as a storyteller. Do do you feel like all American storytellers should examine their cultural roots and go back in some way to where their ancestors came from? My ancestors came from Europe. Should I should I take the time to go to Ireland and England and France and Germany? I would say I would say that you know it's like uh, like the shamans tell the initiates, if you will, you know, going up into the mountain, go on this quest. I say to everyone, get somewhere where you can be still, where you can feel empowered, and you ask that question and then get still and receive the answer. Because uh, going back doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get anything when you get back, you know, unless you have uh, received it in your heart. See, I, I went to Africa uh, first in, in my mind and then in my desire and then in actuality. So I have been to Africa long before I got there. So what I received from there are the things that I have been looking for for a long time. Uh, and this is not to say that you cannot be right here. have never gone to Africa or to Europe or to Scotland. You know, I have a deep family tree with, uh, with uh, the roots embedded so deep in Africa. But when you go up to the branches, you might see the Okanichi people on my, my tree. You might see the Scottish Highlanders on my tree. Uh, you might see some southern Chinese on my tree. You understand what I'm saying? I have to I have to first identify and connect and be clear about what the deepest roots are saying and what that is. And when I do that, everything else becomes clear and you can speak on whatever you want to do. So if you're so inclined, you know, I have a friend that goes to Ireland whenever he can and he gets something from he gets some spiritual grounding. You get some cultural understanding and, and knowledge, and that's cool. But, you know, for those of us who, who can't find out where we come from, we were adopted, we were this, we were that, you have to go inside yourself, be still somewhere, and it will all come to you what your mission, your plan, and your purpose should be. For those listeners um, who are interested in, in developing stillness, I did an interview with Michael Kadaho. It's it's episode 37, and if you go back to episode 37, mm-hmm. he talks extensively about his early practice of sitting in the woods to develop stillness. Uh, so that could yeah. go further into that. I get mine when I'm riding in the car late at night. But anyway, go ahead. Well, let, let's <laughs> open this up. I'm leaving a lot of time here because I know we have a fair number of audience on today's call. Give me a shout-out and let me know you're there. Hi, this is Angela Lloyd in California. Ah, Good morning. Angela, do you have a website? Yes. If you want to go ahead, you can say it. Uh, it's www.angelaloyd.com. Do you got a question for Baba Jamal or a comment? Well, I wanted to just make a comment. This is the first time I've ever tuned in, and it's really lovely to um, hear you, Baba Jamal, and you're talking about things that I appreciate, which have to do with our intentions and our telling and the care of ourselves, our centering, our focus. Um, so I just wanted to say I appreciate um, hearing your voice on that this morning. Well, I, I, and I appreciate you. Is, is this the same Angela Lloyd that, that I have a photograph from her hanging up in my bathroom there? Yeah, that's me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, one wonderful artist in and of herself, and, and multifaceted, and, and a strong storytelling musician. And enjoy your presence. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Ramona. Glad you could join us. Hey, Eric. Yeah. 
I'm glad I could be on the call. Um, for, for those listeners who don't know you, you want to tell us your website? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Eric, I'm still working on that one. I'm on professionalstorytellerning.com uh, backslash Ramona King profile. Yeah, I'm Baba Jamal. I'm just right, like, I'm on the way by you. So I, I think you're aware of that. I have to say that I'm really grateful that you mentioned Maud Miller. And I've got a short story, not a story story, but a short story to tell you. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time I go to the, the NABS Festival, when um, when we close, I think, is that the Love Circle, the Unity Circle? Love Circle is when we open and the Unity Circle when we close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time we do the Unity Circle, I am bawling in tears. It never fails. I do that every time I go. Mm. One of the things that I was really struggling with when I'd go to the NAS festival is people would talk about their um they would talk about their cultural background. They talk about grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles and all these people and you know, there was a sadness in my heart because I was thinking everybody here has tradition and I you know, I've come up in foster care. This is the first time I heard you say that you're in foster care. Mm-hmm. And um, the tears for me was I felt so disconnected, and yeah. I was trying. I was looking. So, I was looking so deeply to find that, and I don't know. I think it was um, Sankofa, Brother Anderson. Yes. Yeah. When I call, I called him when my father uh, when my father was dying, mm-hmm. and my um, birth father, and yes. I told him I don't know what to say to him. I don't know what to do, and. Um, he gave me the most profound, um, what he said to me was something that was really, it stayed with me for a long time. Because I remember when I, the first festival I went to, Brother Anderson was um, just hanging by a string, um, you know, and just Himself. just about to make a trans- trans- yeah. uh, transition, and we were all praying for him. Right. But I remember, and that's why I called him, because he and my father were the same age. He said to me, um, I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I, I'm not connected with him. We don't have a good relationship. I just went on and on. And then he said, Ramona, mm-hmm. why does it have to be anything? It just is. It just is, yes. It just is. And when you go to see your father, be with that. Just mm-hmm. allow yourself to be with that. Golly, I got off the phone and I bawled crying because that was just so... It's like no one could have said anything to me. Yeah. Those words got me right deep into my heart. And um, when I did go see my father, I looked at my daddy and I said, uh, I said to him, I said, Daddy, you don't have to apologize. This is, about, this is the gift of being a storyteller, the profoundness, I think. Sure. But, you know... With, I said to him at that time, Daddy, you don't have to apologize for anything for whatever reason you did what you did when you were younger, when I was younger. It's all what it is. I said, Daddy, I just want you to know that I will forever be grateful for you for passing on to me the gift of the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And he hugged me in a way that I've never been hugged before by wow. my father. Oh. And I have to tell, and Baba Jamal, I have to tell you, I could feel the love and presence of NABS. Mm-hmm. I could, I yes, really indeed. could. Yes, I indeed. feel, and I, and I think that you know, after afterwards, my my tears come from. I just love the NABS organization so much because it feels like family. So when I see you, and I, I'm just like, I love you. You know, it's, it, it comes out of this thing of feeling like I'm connected with a family. Right. As, you know, and so you touched my heart when you told me, when you said, like, it's like you're talking to me. But when you, when yes, when you <laughs> mentioned Maud Miller, my heart was like, oh, I love you. Thank you mm. so much for sharing her with us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And that's the kind of culture and community that storytellers are gravitating towards all over the country. And um, we, we, we're beset with little uh, setbacks in terms of outside forces. But those of us who have gained the understanding that you're talking about right now uh, know that we, if we keep on doing what we're doing, 
if we keep reaching for our higher purpose, if we keep on uh, honing our craft, and, and if we keep on knowing that we are storytellers and that we have a purpose and a place on this planet and it's important that we are here, we keep on doing that, that, that same feeling that you felt in the love circle, in the unity circle, is starting to spread. And it's starting to spread all around. You know, I, I was in uh, the Bay Area Storytelling Festival, had a wonderful time there with those folks there at Riverway and Albany, Cave Run, and, and all around the country, St. Louis Festival. And, and you get that same understanding, not from all tellers, but there are tellers that understand where we are in this time and what we must do. And that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling. And Eric, I know you bringing all my friends online today. I didn't know you were going to do that, man. Yes, indeed. I appreciate you, Ramona. I appreciate you too, Baba. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ramona. I'm very. It's um. It's very touching. Yeah, she mentioned one of my mentors, David Sankofa Anderson, out of Rochester, New York. Uh, that's that's one of my elders. Him, Brother Blue. There's a few others that I go to. You know, Linda Goss. Uh, there's a few others that I go to, bunch of Butler and all uh, that are in my circle of, of of strength. You know, and we all need that. Carolise Reed, and I can go on and start. And I start naming, but I can, I can, I won't stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to recognize. Mhm. Mm yeah, Dan O'Gara out there in California. Great day. That's a that's a storytelling man right there, Dan O'Gara. And uh, he loves storytelling, loves the organizing of storytelling and also the telling. And there are people like him and like uh, like us all over the country and indeed the world. I met a, a, a young lady out of South Africa named Nomsa who went to uh, uh, Joe Sobel's program in Tennessee uh, at the Eastern. Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, What's that name of that school? ETSU, and uh, and she was there, and we got a chance to talk and 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 to bond, and uh, so the the word is all over the world. Diane for Latin all of them. We we just one we just empowered and and uh, how do I say it? Grateful, grateful, to be in the presence of them at this time. Let's talk about NABs a little bit. Um, I was very impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I said this to Lynn Ford, and she she said, "Oh, you got to say this during a show." <laughs> and uh, to me, there's mm -hmm. a crown of American storytelling, and on that crown there is a diamond, which is the National Storytelling Festival, and there's another diamond, which mm -hmm. is the National Storytelling Conference. But there's another diamond too. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it's a sapphire. I don't know. It's a beautiful diamond, and that, of course, is the National Association of Black Storytellers Conference. And yeah. If you are a storyteller and you're listening to my voice, if you haven't been, you're missing something. You're missing something amazing. You have to come, and you have to come. You have to come, as we say, right. Not to to judge. Not to how you say. Uh, not with any uh, misapprehension. Come open. Come as you are, because. Uh, if you don't, you won't yeah. enjoy yourself. You know, but it's a, it's just folks being folks, and, and indeed, uh, we are the National Association of Black Storytelling, and and we we use black storytelling as one word because it's a it's it's a it's a craft, it's an art, and it's a way of telling, and it's a body of stories, and so uh, that is our mode and our mission, and uh, our hearts are big, our arms are wide, but we definitely look after take care of our cultural mission and that is to perpetuate the art and 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 mission of, of black story but the organization is is welcoming to other people other people's oh well you know that's 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 storytelling <laughs> you know you, you can go down to georgia you can go into manitoba you can go over in australia uh you'll find that the arms are wide open to to folks that uh Enjoy storytelling. Storytelling by the sea, Bay Area. Oh, I'm sorry to see some of these storytelling festivals going by the way because uh, we haven't supported them and, and maybe we hadn't grown in the right way. But uh, where one goes down, another's built up. So 
will continue. Um, you have an offer for our uh, listening audience. Yeah. Uh, but go and tell me what my <laughs> offer is. You had said that. <laughs> let's see. Let me remember here. Uh-huh. We had talked about it, and you had said that you wanted people to look you up to talk about workshops, right? Yeah. Yeah, workshops, coaching, you know, all the, all the normal things that uh and and but believe me when I when I take folks through uh, storytelling uh, either a personal workshop or a group workshop uh the kinds of things that we're talking about here we're talking about the capacity to love and the capacity to 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 uh receive so that our telling will be stronger those are the kinds of things we we work on initial quotes and proverbs and, and thoughts and all of that to build a, a framework by which you can then create your own style and your own method of telling stories that you afford. And so that's what happens in the workshop. Uh, do it for organizations, individuals, festivals, and the like. And uh, also for performances, uh, I'm, I may talk like I'm, you know, college graduate. Indeed, I am. But uh, I love preschool. I love K through three, K through five. You know, just have a ball with them. I don't have to explain stuff to them. They already know. Grown folks, I have to explain. So, what's your website? www.babajamalkaram dot com J A M A L K O R A M Story Man located in Virginia and uh, just Google any of those words and, and something will come up and lead you to it. And uh, I'm my own webmaster so you have to forgive some things because sometimes I don't get to that thing for six months, seven months. Then I mess it up. But it's on there. Well I just want to invite the audience um to if for my offer to sign up. We talked a lot about this idea of how to tell stories in mm-hmm. a way that is in the moment and serving the moment. And I've yes. written an e-course called The Zen of Storytelling in Seven Simple Steps. And it's, it's a total of nine emails. It's nine emails, and, and the emails cover basic concepts of how to do that, of how to actually tell a story from the heart and how to support your storytelling with more being centered, with more centering. Yeah, yeah. Well, I need to get you to to figure out all the the uh, nuts and bolts for, for things that I'm doing. But let me let me just share this: that storytelling as an art and a cultural phenomenon demands that we do certain things in a community setting, and uh, and a couple of them would be to uh, advance the notion of heritage culture and oral tradition and lifelong, that is lifelong and continuous. There was a professor named Dr. Hawkins. I heard a speech on one of the public radio stations. I caught the tail end, and what he said at the tail end of that, that, that speech was all I needed to hear. He said that the greatest weapon against oppression is long memory. And if we take that to heart, then we realize and recognize that our, our mission as storytellers that much more important, and it needs to be protected that much more. So get strong in what you do. Uh, get strong in how you do it. Uh, learn as much as you can about the story. And put your spirit in your heart, your love, your soul in it, and tell. Tell wherever you are. Tell wherever you go. But tell. Know that you're part of a greater family. Knowing that will allow you to move in this world powerful beings that we are. Yeah. And I, I think I also want to leave us with this thought that that R- Ramona touched on really nicely that we've been talking about, which is that in the end, we're just human. We're just us. And we're a part of a community. But, you know, all this complexity we make with our minds, it's there's just us. And if we can just be in the presence of ourselves, mm-hmm. in our community... Sometimes that's the most yeah. powerful, the most yeah. blessed thing that we can offer our audience. And thank you for programs like this and uh, and other programs around the country, retreats and that kind of thing. It's it's about sanctuary. It's about uh, looking after each other. And uh, we do a good job. 
do a good job there. So thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this phenomenon that's happening. Well, uh, Baba Jamal, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you, you really yes, have a light that shines from a lifetime of, sh- of um, cleaning it, you know? Yay, Bo. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. God led and God fed. Don't worry about it. It's all right. It comes from clarity, being clear about yourself and who you are and what you want to do. And there's a way to achieve that clarity if you have it. Because there are all different styles and methods of storytelling. And uh, some of us uh, uh, get a little myopic when we hear the tellers tell in a certain way. But no, let them go on and do their thing because they'll straighten it out later on if it needs to be. This guest has written a post for the blog at www.storytellingwithchildren.com. You can make a comment or ask a question in the blog comment box about this discussion. If you wish to join a future discussion live on the call, go to www.storytellingwithchildren.com and sign up to the email alerts to receive future notices of shows. This show was conceived, hosted, and produced by me, Eric Wolf. And to support the show, you may learn more about my storytelling work by going to www.ericwolf.org. The music was created by Mary Kay Croft, and we are much indebted to her contribution. This podcast is the responsibility of Brother Wolf Storytelling and is distributed under a Creative Commons non-derivative license. That means you can copy it and give it away, but you can't edit it or sell it. Thank you so much for listening. I, I think we're going to end the show there, if that's all right. Normally I say things like, yes. uh, any final words, but you just went right into your final words and it sounded great. Yeah, well, I have a lot of <laughs> final words, Eric. <laughs>